1: This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up on this week's show, it's going to be a very detailed review of Carnival Panorama. My buddy TJ just got off of a seven-night cruise, and then I was on for the three-night before him. So we're going to kind of compare notes and talk about Carnival Panorama and what you can expect if you're sailing on the ship. If you're looking for cruise news this week, you're going to have to wait until Cruise Radio Rewind this weekend because it was just hard to nail down Sherry with it being Christmas week. But if you need your cruise news fix, we have you covered with cruise radio news. Find it where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search cruise radio news. All right, let's jump to PJ and his seven-night Mexican Riviera sailing aboard Carnival Panorama. Hey, PJ.
0: Hey, Doug. How are you doing?
1: Good, man. It's a shame we didn't get to meet up. You actually watched us dock coming home from the three-night cruise. You were on the back of the Queen Mary, and then I had to get to the airport to to fly out to Utah, so I missed you. But um, I'm excited to talk to you about this cruise because uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts, and then maybe I'll give a couple thoughts if that's okay with you, and we might go back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Let's do it. So as we always do, we'll kick off with pre-cruise thoughts. So what were your pre-cruise thoughts of Panorama?
0: Yeah, well, my uh, my brother and sister in law uh, contacted me back in, in June and saying they want to do a cruise with us, and so I started looking uh, for the December time frame because that was that's when it worked for for work schedules, and I happened to actually come across the fact that this was the first cruise ever. So I, I presented this with a list of other possible sailings to, to my my brother and his wife and my and my wife. And uh, this is the one we landed on. We like the excitement of being on a brand new ship and trying things out for the very first time and, and kind of a unique once in a lifetime experience for us. So, um, that's kind of where we got, uh, came up with this cruise.
1: Now you were out in Texas, you had to make your way to Long Beach. As I just mentioned, you were on the Queen Mary, uh, a brief overview of that experience. That was
0: really cool. That's something I really wanted to do. And it's, with it being so proximal to the cruise terminal, it's kind of a no brainer, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by by the seafaring history and the the, the history of the Queen Mary and what it went through, and and just the logistics of of the technology of the time and how they just were able to to do what they did um, without all the modern GPS and radars and everything else. And um, it just it takes you back to a different time, really. So I I, I really made a solid pitch for that uh, for for my wife and I and our girls to stay there. Um, we we did that. We came in, uh, flew in that uh, morning uh, before the cruise. We uh, rented a car from LAX and and drove around did some sightseeing. Then we went to the Queen Mary and uh, checked in. They were doing their uh, Queen Mary Christmas celebration outside, which was kind of a fun little Christmassy event with some uh, uh, kids' activities and lights and a train ride and and fake snow and all the good stuff. So that was a lot of fun as well. You know, definitely from a different time, but they've updated some things like the electrics and had plenty of outlets in the room and and near the bed and everything else for for, – charging devices or or breathing machines whatever you might need um pretty
1: good food on board in the
0: uh, in the restaurants and and great service all around did you
1: walk to the long beach cruise terminal from the queen mary yes we did okay and what would you say about a five minute walk if that i mean it really
0: it it was actually made longer because they had that christmas event set up so it kind of blocked off a lot of the, the most direct route so we actually had to walk around that through the little village and then um, into the, the cruise terminal. So really it really is maybe a seven-minute walk from the uh, from the Queen Mary to the
1: uh, cruise terminal. How was the embarkation for you at the Long Beach Cruise Terminal? So it, it mixed
0: a little bit. Our arrival appointment wasn't until 1 o'clock, but we we showed up early, uh, around 11. Um, and I, my brother and his uh, family had driven in from Phoenix the night before and stayed elsewhere. And then they just met us at the terminal. And so we got to the to the terminal. We breezed right through security. That was no no problem at all. But uh, between the fact that this was the very first turnaround day for the ship, and it's a ship twice the size of the of the that the terminals used to dealing with, and the fact there were over five hundred back to back cruisers, there was a lot of uh, waiting around in the terminal. Uh, as it was though, we actually boarded the ship around one ten or one fifteen. So had we actually stuck to our suggested arrival time, we probably wouldn't have waited very much at all. So I can't really be mad about that. But yeah, it was it was a little bit longer embarkation process than I'm used to.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because when I was on MSC Maravilla I had a 130 uh, embarkation appointment time And so I got there at 12 Thinking I'll get on the ship earlier If I would have arrived at 1.30 I would have legitimately walked right on the ship Right
0: So you were on the three day, Doug. What, uh How was the embarkation for you Without anybody getting off the ship?
1: Yeah, so for me it was really simple We were at the Hotel Maya So it's Carnival Panorama Queen Mary And then Hotel Maya All along the waterfront right there it's about a 10-minute walk from Hotel Maya. It's a little under a mile um, to get there. But we did because we had luggage and everything, and we just got an Uber and Ubered over. It was like a five-minute Uber drive. But once we got inside the terminal, it was probably a good 15 to 20 minutes. We were there just early enough, though, to get like, pretty much right when they opened the doors. We were on the ship. And it doesn't hurt being, um, you know, having priority with the cruise line either, being Platinum.
0: I'm red on Carnival, so I'm, I'm just Josh Mo Cruiser. And so there was no uh, – that's the other factor that's with this too, is that I believe there were a, a really high number of uh, Diamond and Platinums on board with this being the inaugural sailing.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you make your way on board Carnival Panorama. What were your first impressions of the ship?
0: This ship is just beautiful. It, it, it's a little different there coming on Long Beach because the, the uh, gangway takes you onto Deck 4 uh, right outside the casino, which is different than most ships which take you right into the main atrium. Uh, I think it's because you typically deal with the imagination and inspiration where the main atrium's on eight or nine, and that's where the, the gangway takes you to on those ships. But uh, it's a little bit different thing. People are, are guiding you and shepherding you directly to the buffet, and so you want, they, they want you to walk aft along the, the lower concourse there and then to the elevators and, and head up to the buffet. I kind of bucked that trend and went to the right through the casino and went straight to guest services to uh, get my Dr. Sue's breakfast reservation. So that worked out well for me, but the um, – uh yeah, the, the the ship, first impressions, it I mean had that new ship smell. The casino did not stink of cigarette smoke that much yet. Uh they had that new heroes tribute bar right outside the casino, which was one of the first things you walk through when you get on board. And that's just a really cool thing that they've done for, for veterans.
1: Did you notice the fake wood flooring? It's a different it's a departure from the other ships that Carnival has.
0: Yeah, so, I, I definitely noticed the, the the wood inlays on the floor as well, yeah. and I thought that was a really classic design choice. Overall, I'd say that that this ship—I I, I never sailed the other two Vista class ships. I, my, my latest one is is on the Breeze, which is one of the first ships after Joe Farkas uh, retired, and. They seem to be becoming more and more muted with their their interior design work, mm-hmm. as as I've noticed uh, since he left. So this was not like Vegas or or you know Carnival ish, if you'll forgive the term at all. It was much more just kind of classy and refined and um, much more muted, I'd say. One thing I noticed that was kind of weird is that I mean, as you're walking along that lower concourse there behind aft of the the Heroes Bar and the uh, the Comedy Club, there's a lot of empty slat wall. Right mm-hmm. there. And I, and I get the impression that that is supposed to be an art gallery, an art auction, but they just don't have that on board yet.
1: Yeah, that, on the deck plans, it says that is the art gallery, but same for us. We didn't have it on our cruise either. So, yeah, that's probably waiting for the artwork to arrive, maybe, or who really knows. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? We did
0: a standard
1: balcony stateroom,
0: and it was on Deck 8,
1: midship, so it was a great location.
0: Um, you know, quick, easy, you walk up or down the stairs to... Uh, different venues, and that's one thing I try to do uh, is not use the elevators at all, and just to do stairs to stave off those guys' burger cal- uh, calories. The stateroom itself, I think, it was a little bit tight. As on these bigger ships, they just try to make the stateroom smaller to pack more on there. And it, because of that, it kind of lacks storage a little bit. We were set up for four people with my wife and, and two daughters, and I. A couple things I want to note about it: there's no divider curtain in there like there are on some other ships, so there's no no privacy curtain between the the bunk area for the kids and the and the double bed for the for the parents. So we couldn't necessarily, you know, keep a light on and read while the girls went to bed or anything like that. That said, the bed was really, really comfy, and uh, the TV was really nice. It was a nice big flat panel TV that was interactive. Uh, lots of good channels for um, kids and for grownups. A couple we don't have cable at home, so it's nice to watch some HD TV and Food Network um, while we we're in the room. I also will notice that uh, in general the staff seemed to be spread pretty thin and that seems to be more and more the trend with carnival these days. And the steward was really nice. He worked really, really hard. I think he just had too many rooms he was trying to deal with because it took him a long time to come uh, bring down the lower bunk and uh, get the couple things that we asked for. And in fact, we, I had uh, asked for some distilled water for my breathing machine, and he um, deferred me off to a room service instead of handling himself, which is what I've had done in other places.
1: Question, because you wanted that divider curtain, did you price the family harbor staterooms at all? We did not, because we
0: wanted to stay up on a higher deck instead of going lower Yeah, um, okay. down on
1: deck two. I don't have any kids or anything, so this was the first time I actually had a chance to check out the Family Harbor State rooms, and with the two bathrooms and then divider curtain, that is like the perfect family room. I'll give Carnival that.
0: Oh, that would be something definitely to, to look forward to if I do sail the Vista out of Galveston or something like that sometime.
1: Yeah, it was a very familiar look to me. You know, you had the USB ports, the TV, all that. That's really basic. And Carnival, of course, this is the very last Carnival ship they're making that's going to have the the plastic shower curtains moving forward. They're going to glass. So a lot of people are going to oh, be yeah, happy about that. But there were two of us in the room. We had the two twin beds uh, and a couch adequate and it was uh yeah it was your typical if you're if you've sailed Carnival before the room is going to be very familiar to you and if you've sailed Carnival's Vista class before it's like walking into any other Vista class ship
0: i did record a, a quick room tour and so I'll, I'll definitely send you the link to uh after i i post it up on youtube um one last thing i'll mention too is that there are no plugs next to the bed Mm -hmm. And so we actually had to run the cord from my machine across the room to the to the desk to plug it in. So that was that was a little disappointing for a brand new ship to come out with with no plugs next to the bed.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you on that. Let's talk about food on this seven night sailing. We'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have and what did you think of it?
0: Well, by the time we, we booked in, in June, the, all the um, slots for the uh, traditional dining have been snapped up, so we had anytime dining. And that's one thing I found interesting is that the smaller midship dining room is one they use for the traditional, and then the large two-story uh, aft dining room is is anytime. So I, I could definitely see the trend of more and more people wanting to go anytime and then, and then responding to that. So we did anytime dining. That worked out pretty well. One thing I loved is that um, – Instead of having to wait in that line to reserve your table or request a table, that uh, you can now just go right on the app and say request table, and it'll tell you exactly how long you have to wait. And then it will let you specify who's going to be dining with you, and then we'll send them alerts through the app as well. And then when your table is ready, it'll alert you and it'll give you the exact floor and table number that you're at, and just show up, show the waiter to your phone, and they take you right to your table, which is great.
1: And that is one thing on our sailing. A lot of people didn't realize they could do that. And it was really clogging up deck five, where the check in desk is there by the Java Blue Cafe for the anytime dining. People didn't realize, hey, you can check it on the app. But I think once people got used to it, it kind of lessened the congestion on deck five. Uh, for- Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That was uh, it, the first two days were like that on, on our ship and uh, on our sailing. And, um, and then it, it definitely the, I noticed the crowd thinned out quite a bit after that. But yeah, I, I kind of found, happened upon that right away and mm-hmm. got lucky and, and did that. In general, the food in the main dining room was was okay. I don't think it was anything to write home about, but it was um, it was still decent, um, good selections. The carnival melting uh, chocolate melting cake is always a favorite. Uh, someone once told me to to try it with a little side of peanut butter, mm-hmm. and uh, that'll that'll change your life, Doug. If, <laughs> if you've never done that, you got to go for that next time around. Service was slow but I'll chalk that up to, A, it's a new ship and a new team working together, and they're just trying to, to get everything to gel, get their processes in place, figure out where everything is. The service, when the, when the waiters came to us, we seemed kind of rushed to order, and then once we ordered, it took a
1: long time for the food to come out. What time did you typically roll into the main dining room? Um,
0: it really varied. So typically, you know, the first night, I think we did it around uh, 6 o'clock or so. Then one night, we were a little bit later, around 7.30 or 8. Another night, we were... At five thirty, so just uh, whenever we got hungry, and had, and and worked around our, our evening activities, we only actually ate in the main dining room uh, three of the nights, which actually is one thing I kind of liked about the main uh, about the anytime dining, is that it it felt like it kind of freed us up to do more of the other options around the ship, mm-hmm. whereas in the past with traditional dining you feel kind of you know, not necessarily obligated, but like your Your wait staff gets to know you, which I love, and I missed that about the end of time dining, but at the same time though the trade off was that we were able to to go try some different things. Did you eat at any specialty restaurants? yeah, we did um so my wife and i and my my brother and his wife uh did the carnival kitchen one night, and that's the new uh instructional space on board for it's a it's a demonstration and and instructional kitchen where everybody's got stations you're paired up in twos. Basically, you walk in. All the all the ingredients are prepped for you, and then they walk you through uh, basically cooking the recipe. So, I've I've heard you kind of uh, describe it jokingly before as cooking your own, paying to cook your own food. But I'm one who enjoys doing cooking classes on land. I, I used to teach cooking classes on land at one point, and so it was a real treat to be able to kind of have that experience and learn some new skills and learn some new cuisines that I can then take home and. And incorporated to my own menu planning.
1: I thought a couple of items were going to be gimmicky on this ship. Um, and the carnival kitchen was going to be one of them. But after doing it and baking an apple pie, yeah, it sounds silly, but it was really cool, man. With the tablets there, where every workstation is interactive. You have the chef there. You have the chef's assistant making sure you're cooking it right. And that was a really good experience and it was fun too like you know getting your hands dirty you know legit making an apple pie and doing the apples and everything from scratch it was uh taking the class changed my mind well
0: good i'm glad to hear that we we did the latin fusion class uh, and it was it was one of those dinner classes so you basically make it and eat it right there Mm -hmm. and we did like four or five different courses anything from from cheese empanadas to uh ceviche to arroz con pollo and 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 the tortilla soup so we were using lots of different gadgets. We were deep frying stuff at our station. We were... Um uh, it was, it's just really cool to, to make all these different things and, and, and experiment with some flavors that we're not used to cooking with. Um, and then one thing that uh, is good for those like myself who don't usually get the drink package is uh, if you do one of the dinner classes, when you're sitting there eating dinner, they're coming and pouring wine for you, um, you know, included in the, the price of the class.
1: This is kind of like the chef's table a little bit. Did you do that by chance? Yeah, you actually just uh,
0: hit the nail on the head there. We did do the chef's table one night as well. And that's kind of a tradition for my wife and I when we cruise. Uh, so we've done chef's table on – um carnival and um and royal and the the chess table is something that carnival does really really well um i love on this class of ship how they have a dedicated room for it now uh in right off the galley uh we did it on the freedom where we where it was in the library right outside the main dining room and then we did it on the breeze, which was basically at a folding table in the galley. So we were very immersed in everything, but it was also very noisy and tough to kind of have a conversation in that one. Um, so this was a great uh, balance of the two. They did a brand new menu uh, that's, that's just now being rolled out. This is the first ship to have this new chef's table menu, and everything was phenomenal. Um, we had a couple of nice uh, uh, live prepared uh, amuse-bouche appetizers uh, when we first uh, got into the galley. And then we went into the special room and we were, had a nice uh, seated uh, five or six course dinner, with uh, everything from sea bass to steak to um, you know some duck. It, it was everything in between. It was delicious. A great great foodie experience. If anybody's interested in that,
1: yeah, and it's a great space too. Sitting right there in the kitchen where you get to. Basically, see where the chefs are preparing thousands of meals, like right in front of you, and they're walking by with the the servers are back there picking up the food. It's a really cool. And did you guys get a kitchen tour beforehand?
0: We basically sat down. We did one or two courses and stuff. We did a little tour, um, which wasn't as much of a tour as I've had on the on the previous two experiences. Uh, we we walked through the kitchen past the main hotline. And then over to the pastry area where we got to, you know, one person got to participate and the rest of us got to watch a demonstration of how to make the melting chocolate cake, mm-hmm. and um, which is typical for what we've done in the past. But you know, on the Freedom, we got to go through and see like the, the, all the different areas of the kitchens. So we got to see the cold prep, the hot prep, the soup area where these giant sixty-gallon cauldrons where they make soups and stocks for the ship. Um, we got to actually see the chefs and, and wave back and forth to them on the hotline. This one, uh, I think we were between dinings or after the, the, the second dining had uh, done for the, for the midship dining room. And so we were on the hotline on that side. So we didn't really see much activity there. Like you, we, I haven't, in, in times past.
1: Very cool. Anything else, like as far as steakhouse or Gigi's or Cucina? No.
0: So that, that was kind of it. Steakhouse, uh, we, we done on the breeze and it was really good, but we decided to, to do the carnival kitchen this time instead. Um, we did do Cucina for lunch one day for the pasta bar and that was delicious. Um, uh, the, I like how they do that now. There's there's a wait, but they give you a pager, and basically they'll page you when your table's ready, and you walk up and fill out your sheet, and then they bring you do some delicious pasta. That was really great. Um, I did the uh, Guys Barbecue for lunch one day. Um, you know, being from Texas, there's you know they're up to our ears in delicious barbecue, and I'd say this is this is pretty darn good. Um, a nice variety of brisket and and pulled pork and sausage and chicken uh, right down the place. Some really good sides as well. And then um, we did do the buffet one night. That was – the buffet was, was pretty disappointing overall. Um, the quality just – I don't think the quality of the food felt like it was sitting there in the, in the warming um, bins before it was put out there for, for a little too long. And then while there is plenty of, of buffet lines and that really helped out with the flow of the buffet – there was not much variety. It was the same five or six dishes at every point in the buffet. That said, though, the deli that's in there was really good. I got a couple sandwiches there. Um, and then um, the desserts were pretty good. They have some new desserts they rolled out on this ship. But uh, overall, the, the buffet was kind of a disappointment.
1: So for me, I did the main dining room the first night. It was a little bit slow. I gave them a pass because it was the very first dinner that that main dining room had with the dining team and all that together. And I know they pull people from different ships and it's a matter of clicking and working with each other. Uh, The second night... I went to Fahrenheit 555 Steakhouse. That's the $38 surcharge steakhouse. I had the petite steak, the filet, and the lobster tail solid, and that was quicker. And then Gigi's Asian Kitchen for the last night, because my cruise was only three nights, and that was $15 a person. Had like the, uh, the Kung Pao chicken and the pork, the glazed pork belly. So good. If you're into the Asian fusion thing, definitely make sure you stop by because you get a free Lunch there, like a Mongolian walk type lunch during the day. It's just opposite of kuchina for the captain's Mm -hmm. pasta bar. And then at nighttime, it's $15 surcharge for a lot of food and it's family style as well. So you can kind of pick this, pick that, and uh, get to have a little sampling of a lot of the items on the menu. That's great.
0: I, I love Asian cuisine, so I'll, I, we didn't do it this time around because uh, I live in an area with with a lot of really great Asian cuisine. But yeah, I'll definitely if I'm on this class of ship again, I'll, I'll definitely make a a point to try to visit that
1: too. Let's talk about the entertainment on your seven night cruise. I got to tell you, it, it,
0: the entertainment was was truly great overall. We'll start out with the main theater entertainment. I only saw one of the shows because just the way the timing worked out, and and I, I came on before and I was I was lamenting with you about. Uh, the disappointment I had with the main theater entertainment on the breeze were the playlist productions where there are fake playing instruments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show I saw was the Celestial Strings show on this ship. These are three brand new shows. One's a rock and roll. Um, I forget what the second one is, but then there's the Celestial Strings as well. And I got to tell you, Doug, that they had the, the electric violin trio in there playing with the cast. And the talent level was, I don't know if it's just because they're trying to make a big splash with this new ship, but it was a really, really high talent level. They sounded fantastic. They were playing all kinds of great pop songs. Um, there was no plot to it. It was just a musical review, which probably aided in how much I enjoyed it because their plots are usually pretty pretty lame. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of cool. The visual effects, the lighting, the costumes, and the, and the singing and the, and the violin music were just outstanding. I have no complaints about that. Only complaints: is I got there a little bit late and had to kind of stand for most of the show in the back there, but that, that's my own doing. As far as roving musical entertainment, that was amazing as well. I, yeah, I, I'm drawn more to the guy with the guitar type of acts because I, that's I, I do play some some gigs here on uh, where I live, and the uh, the card the guitarist they had there uh, named Owen Stephen. He was really great, taking lots of requests, very personable. He and I kind of uh, chatted up throughout the week. Uh, but what really blew my mind, Doug, was this duo in Pig and Anchor named Liz mm-hmm. and Lucas. Yep. Um, First of all, Liz has got an amazing, beautiful voice. They're playing all kinds of great pop and country songs um, and some original works of their own, too. And she's just knocking out the vocals. But then uh, her partner, Lucas, uh, also has a great singing voice and actually a guitarist. But what blew my mind is he's also playing a foot-operated drum kit while he's playing guitar and singing. Also, he's got two pickups on his guitar, so one of them actually drops the input by an octave, and so it makes it like a bass guitar. So the guy is playing bass guitar, acoustic guitar, drums, and vocals all at the same time. And then he's also got a looping pedal in there, so he basically will record a loop of, of the rhythm and then start soloing on top of that while still playing the drums. My jaw was just on the floor. I went and saw them about every night I could. They were just amazing.
1: I was really attached to the violinist playing in the main atrium. I mean, they were great too, yes. Yeah, playing the, the rock and roll. It was almost a little bit of uh, – they did some Christmas music like it was a little Trans-Siberian orchestra style up there. I thought that was really cool. With the the production shows, they didn't do Celestial Strings on our sailing. They did Broadway Nights and Rock Revolution.
0: Uh, that was I, the other one, Broadway yeah, Nights. Thank I, I kind of
1: geeked out with the – Rock Revolution, because they had drones in there, like 50 of them that were flying around. And uh, oh, it's man, like one, I'm sorry to miss that. Yeah, one wrong move. It's like <laughs> those drones could go rogue. I don't know. There's probably safety features, but I'm like, wow, there's drones everywhere. And they were also really playing the drums, electric, and bass guitar in there all throughout the show, which I really appreciated. Broadway Night's. I appreciate Broadway, but I'm not like a huge Broadway fan, so I could take it or leave it. But I think one that stuck out to me was the uh, the Rock Revolution.
0: I noticed that on the Rock Revolution night that the house band was doing an acoustic set. And it was just like the, mm-hmm. the female lead vocalist and, the, and a guitarist. And so I think it's because the rest of the band was in there playing with the the cast for the Rock Revolution show. But I did hear them play on a different night, and the house band was great. The Brass Trio was really cool. I listened to them a little bit in the atrium. And then lastly, I did poke my head into the Havana bar for a little bit one night, and uh, the Latin band was that back there. and They had the place hopping. The people were out there dancing like crazy. Lots of good people watching there for for the – if you like the salsa music and salsa dancing. It's really great. Did you do the
1: comedy show at all?
0: I did not. I'm not a big you know, stand-up comedy person on cruise ships, um, and, and so I, I, I did not get to see that. My wife and my brother and sister-in-law did go see one, and they thought it was pretty funny and really enjoyed it. I'm not sure which one they saw, though.
1: All right, let's talk about the ports of call on this seven-day cruise. And uh, My port was Ensenada, and Panorama will never go there again, so we'll just kind of skip it. There was really not much to do there. So give us the port of call and a highlight from each port.
0: First port was Cabo. And um, on, we're big fans of Cruise Tips TV and, and Sherry and her family. And one of the things that she recommends to do is take a water taxi to Medano Beach. And that's what we we did. So we found a water taxi, we were able to negotiate a decent price for us. Um, and then we all got on board and we went out to the keyhole in Lover's Beach and, and got to see, you know, sea lions and fish and to the glass bottom. And then we went to Medano Beach and Billigan's restaurant and we just kind of camped out at a table there for the afternoon. Um, kids got to go play in the water and on the beach. We buried the, the, the cousins on the beach there. And then, um, we, um, and just had just kept got great pictures of the head sticking out of the sand, had some great food and drink there. So I definitely recommend that the guy, we arranged a time for him to come pick us up. And he, he's, you know, there was no worry about him not coming because as he put it himself, he says, if I don't come pick you up, I don't get a tip. <laughs> so <laughs> he, uh, he was there early, uh, before our our scheduled time. So we were Great, getting back to the ship and, and no problem there with the tender operation. So that worked out really well. We were the only ship in port on each of our ports, which really made the experience much better too. That was Cabo and uh, Mazatlan. Uh, my younger daughter and I stayed on the ship and just enjoyed the empty features where we you know did water slides and uh, she's four, so we did the water slides. We did the um, the arcade for a while, and then I um, put in the kids club and I enjoyed the, the thermal suite and the spa by myself a little bit. Uh, so that was a good day. My wife and older daughter went and did a, a zipline excursion through the uh, through the cruise line and uh, had a fantastic time. They had these giant runs uh, across ravines and through the trees. Uh, my wife was wearing my GoPro, so she got some great footage. And my, it was my six-year-old's first time to do anything like that, and she was just so great and fearless doing it all. So that was, that was a lot of fun for them. Uh, I will say Mazatlan is an industrial port that you dock at, and so when you get off the ship – they have little shuttles that will take you to uh, outside the port area. And then from there, you're kind of on your own. There's nothing right by the port. So you kind of have to take a taxi or do a ship-sponsored excursion to uh, get anywhere in Mazatlan In Puerto Vallarta, um, the intent was to do a hop-on-hop-off tour bus. And we went um, – My both my girls decided they want to stay on the ship that day. So we, for the first time ever, my wife and I left them in the kids' club, and we went off uh, on our own. Um, we went with another couple that we met on board. And then um, we tried to find the hop-on hop-off bus. We couldn't find where to board that, but we ended up running to a tour operator and booking a, a private driver for the day. So he took us to a taco place or, or uh, Pepe's Tacos where we had some some delicious tacos there as a snack and then some street tacos and some stands down the street there. Um, so that was really great experience, some true Mexican street tacos. And then he took us to uh, the Don Chendo, uh Tequila Factory where we got a great tour And learn how to tequila is made. We learn how tequila is drank, and we practice that a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then end up uh, coming home with a few bottles. So that was really great. But um, with the kids club, you do have to be back on board by five o'clock to to uh, that's ship time to uh, retrieve your children. Uh, So because they do close for the dinner hour. And so uh, we told our driver that, and it was no problem getting us back in time there. So that worked out great. I will say though that time zones. You start out the ship uh, trip on Pacific time. And then Cabo at this time of year and in December is one hour ahead of Pacific time. And so the ship stayed on Pacific time in the port in Cabo. And we didn't change time until we left Cabo that night. So in Mazatlan, we were on the correct time zone with shore. And then in Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta is on central time uh, this time of year. And so we were an hour behind Puerto Vallarta. So you got to be really mindful of your ship time versus your your port time when you're walking around. And then after we had a sea day and then uh, between the two sea days coming back, we switched back to Pacific time uh, on the ship. So uh, definitely playing
1: time zone roulette throughout the whole trip. So in Puerto Vallarta or Cabo, were those tender ports? Cabo was a tender port. Okay. Um,
0: Puerto Vallarta and Mazatlan were both dock ports. Okay. And the uh, cruise ship pier in, in Puerto Varta is right in the middle of, the, of uh, the main drag to town. It's really easy to get places from there. There's a big galleria and casino across the street. And then you can easily grab it. There's plenty of taxis right there by the port you can grab or, or private drivers uh, if you want. So lots of great options there in Puerto Varta.
1: Before we get to the debarkation, I want to touch on a couple of things. The newly added Sky Zone space. Did the kids partake?
0: the sky zone was definitely a highlight
1: so what you do with sky zone
0: is it is a a four fee uh additional um activity and so you, there are some tablets right outside the sky zone area on deck seven forward and you walk up to that to those tablets you reserve a time slot and then you pay for it right there and you sign the waiver mm-hmm. and so my, my brother and sister-in-law were able to reserve for for their kids and for our kids and what's great about it, Doug, is they they separate by age groups. So they have a set time for zero to five year olds, and then from six to fourteen, and then fifteen and up and up. So that way, you did not have to worry about my four year old being bowled over by a, by a seventeen year old. You know, and that made me feel a lot better. And they really really loved it. My daughters uh, both kind of enjoy rock climbing walls, mm-hmm. and the rock wall they have there is interactive in that they have like a video game projection on the wall where they had this little bat flying around that you just kind of climb across the wall and slap the bat to, to get it and then move somewhere else, and you just kind of chase it around. And um, both my, my daughter and my niece uh, loved doing that. Um, they have the whole uh, kind of air bag area where you have uh, like the balance beam with the jousting sticks, and then they have tug-of-war in that area, and then they have that, that ladder that, that will flip over on you, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you I think you have some experience with. And then they have the actual trampoline bounce area with the basketball hoops, and then they stop the basketball and they play dodgeball at a certain point. So for the uh, different age groups, they do alter the activities that make it age-appropriate, and they alter the music to make it age-appropriate as well. So I thought they handled that really, really well. What was your experience there, Doug?
1: Yeah, we had a f- super fun time, as you mentioned, um, with the r- ladder. I couldn't quite – negotiate the ladder to get to the very top and do the high five thing. I kept falling. Um, It's not too stable. And even trying to counterbalance, it just didn't work out too well. But we did the open jump, and that was $12 for adults for an hour. And that was so fun because we got to do the tug of war, and then we got to slam dunk a basketball, probably the only time I'll ever slam dunk a ball in my whole life. Um, we did jousting was super fun. The rock climbing wall. Our projection was the bouncy ball game. So you had to keep hitting the ball so it didn't go into oh, whatever. Oh, the pong game on Atari. Yeah, tree. that's it. We did that. And then we also did the glow party. That was eighteen dollars, but. They give you shirts to wear, and you're actually playing dodgeball um, under a black light, and getting to do this a lot of the same things as the open jump, but add the black light in dodgeball experience. That was really fun. Is probably I one of the highlights. Too. Like, if you have kids and you want to wear them out. Take them there for an hour, and they'll sleep like a baby. Actually, if you have an adult kid as well, like myself, I was that was probably the most I worked out all cruise.
0: I will say that afterwards, my, my daughters did not argue about taking a nap uh, that <laughs> afternoon. That, that, they, um, they definitely wore out during that time. I, I actually was able to poke my head in for part of it. My wife stayed for most of it. I did mm-hmm. the uh, brewery tour uh, while my my younger daughter was doing the jump, and that was really fun to pick and anchor. And so you got to meet with the brewmaster. It was twenty four ninety five. With that, they give you a sampler flight paddle with the sampler glasses. Mm-hmm. But the way they handled the samples was he basically set down a pitcher of beer for each, every two tables. And you could pour yourself samples. And uh, the way he put it was, I can't put it back in the tanks. So yeah. if some people didn't drink their share, then you can, you can definitely uh, help yourself around some more. So I, I did my best to, to not keep, give them a, a full pitcher back. And then we got to hear about the, brew, the brewing process, how it differs on a ship versus how it is on land. Then we walked over to the brew house area where they have those big copper and glass kettles where they walk through how they they do the mashing in of the grains and the water and then the boil and adding the hops and then chilling it down and adding the yeast and then pumping it back over to the, uh, to the um, fermenting room where they have all the, the conical fermenters and then the serving tanks. So it was really neat to do that. And then... With that, you got a a souvenir pint glass, and then um, you could you got a, a certificate indicating you've gone through the tour and you can bring that certificate back at a later time for a free pint of beer. For twenty four ninety five. you got a pretty decent amount of beer, a souvenir glass and a, a great you know, educational experience as well. So that was a great value.
1: Colin is really good. I, I love Colin because he's like, pretty much drink the pitchers dry because I can't take them back. Like you said, he, and he's a good teacher too. He really breaks it down. I don't know a lot about beer, but after taking his class, I learned a lot about the beer brewing and especially the challenges they have at sea with with the yeast and the hops and everything i didn't you don't think about that right like when you're um, exactly. The about-
0: supply chain logistics are just yeah. a whole new dimension on there too. Plus the fact that they have to use steam to heat the kettles to mm-hmm. to, to boil and everything too is a, is a different type of, of dynamic to it as well. But I did find Colin to be a great speaker, a great teacher. Uh, I've done a number of brewery tours. I'm uh, kind of a big beer nerd here in, in the Houston area. So I've done a number of tours around here. Uh, I've home brewed in the past. So like, it, it's, it's cool to see another professional go through the process and mm-hmm. Um, it gave me some pause when he told me he was. They were looking to hire a couple more brewers for for the different ships.
1: Now, as far as crowds and congestion throughout the ship, how was your experience? I gotta say,
0: the ship has enough to do on it that it really spreads people out. So I I didn't notice even on the warm days. I didn't think it was it was. I saw plenty of available lounge chairs. I didn't really notice very very much chair hogging. Um, we did have some cooler uh, sea days too, so that that might have been part of it too. But even on the warm day, I don't think it was that bad. The lines at the Sky Ride and, and um, Sky Course uh, got to be a little lengthy at times, but uh, that wasn't too bad. But overall, I think that it, it never really felt like there was four thousand people on this ship. I mean, it was um, they they really spread us out pretty well, and there was not much weight anywhere, as far as I, I could tell. I didn't really do the casino on the sea days when it was in full operation. The smoke smell got pretty good. It got pretty bad in there. So, um, And I, I'm pretty sensitive to that, so I, I stayed away. I'm not that big of a gambler as it is. I do love how on this class of ship, they do tuck the casino down on deck four uh, on the lower promenade instead of being up on the main promenade. So you can, you can enjoy all the activities on the main promenade without smelling cigarette smoke, which was great as well. A lot of great entertainment team activities, the trivia contest, the name that tune. I will say, though, that in general, there was a big lack of hot tubs on this class of ship. I don't know if it's if it's true on the Horizon or Vista as well, but I remember you know, being on, on the Breeze, which is a, a dream class ship, they had the four hot tubs down on the outdoor promenade on mm-hmm. deck five, and they had two by the main pool on the Lido deck and two by the aft pool, yeah. and then a couple up in the Serenity. And on this ship, there's only two hot tubs for the general public of all ages to use. There's one or two up in Serenity. There's a couple back in Havana for those guests. Uh, and then there's one in the, in the thermal suite. But uh, on the main decks, there's only two hot tubs on the entire ship that we could find.
1: Yeah, there's two by the Tides Bar at the aft pool. And then there's two up in Serenity. Then if you have the thermal suite pass, you can use that one. And of course, you have the two down there in Havana if you're staying in a Havana suite. Yeah. So it,
0: on the sea days, that I mean, my, my girls are are have essentially zero body fat, so swimming in cold swimming pools they don't last very long. So they do enjoy kind of splashing around in the hot tub a little bit. And on on the sea days, there was a good you know fifteen or twenty people in each hot tub, so that was yeah. not really easy for them to do that. And so um, that was a bit of a disappointment, yeah, especially when we coming from the breeze where there's hot tubs everywhere. But, I mean, the, the thermal spa was great. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. That's one thing Carnival does really well. I've done I've done the thermal suite on, on Royal and on Disney, and it doesn't hold a candle. This is something the Carnival does best. Camp Ocean program, my, my kids really enjoyed that. Um, they are open and for free for most of the day from, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They close for an hour. Then, uh, if you wanted to, you can drop your kids off uh, with the Camp Ocean staff in the buffet at six o'clock. They'll feed your kids and take them back upstairs till ten o'clock at no charge. And then after that, it's an hourly rate until uh, one a.m. for the night owls program. When the Camp Ocean is closed, however, they do have uh, two outdoor program, uh, two outdoor playgrounds um, on deck eleven. Um, which they open the gates to. So you can actually go and access those when the, when the uh, camp ocean is closed. So you can go play and get the, the kids get some energy out as well. So that yeah. was really great too. I mentioned earlier the uh, sky ride and, and ropes course. So my, my wife and brother and sister-in-law got to enjoy the sky ride. Unfortunately, I, I'm a gentleman of size, and so I was unable to enjoy the sky ride. There is a 250-pound uh, max weight limit on that, which I think just went came down from 300 because of the issues they were having on, mm-hmm. on the other two ships. Yeah, I did. The minimum height for that is 52 inches. So if kids want to do it, my, my niece was able to do it, but she was the only kid that was able to do it in our party. Um, the ropes course, the minimum height is 48 inches. That one's got a max weight uh, of 275 pounds, so a little bit higher than the Sky Ride, but still uh, not high enough for my sizable mass, unfortunately. And then the Sky Zone, the, the trampoline park, did have a weight limit too. I believe it was 265. Is that right, Doug?
1: When I was in there, the sign said 300 for Sky Zone, but they could have changed it since then? I don't know. Okay,
0: yeah, I didn't uh, see the policy on that one too, but uh, yeah, it, I'm I'm a little tight, a little bit on the uh, plus side of 300, so I was limited on that side. Uh, then it was a little disappointing, but hey, it's something I did it myself, so I can't be mad at them for it. It's all the name of safety.
1: Yeah. So how was your disembarkation? Yeah. So about that, yeah. uh, it was so. Again, this is
0: the second time they've ever actually done a full turnaround. This is at a cruise terminal, which is handling a ship twice the size that they're normally used to, to handling. So, with that being said, plus we are on a cruise with a, an abnormally high number of of diamond and platinum guests. So we got out of our room by 8 a.m. or 8:30 a.m. We did the um, the the they had them assist with our luggage. So we turned in our bags the night before, and that went great. We had zone 16 on our luggage tags. And so they started with all the diamond platinum people. Then they did the uh, self assist, starting with the lowest decks and moving up. But I think they people just were impatient and did a mad rush on the gangway, and so it really delayed the process. There's about at one point about an hour between announcements for for the next group to come out. That said, though, we were able to go to, to deck five and sit outside on the on the uh, outside promenade and some nice, comfy chairs. My kids were able to run around and, and get some energy out without bothering anybody. So that, I mean, that worked out well. And we were back in the U.S., so my wife and I could start getting a jump on emails from from work <laughs> while we're sitting there on our phones. Uh, we actually got off the ship at ten fifty four, and then um, when we got off the ship, we went right. Our bags were right there. We grabbed them, and very short weight and custom. So I think we we're shipped to curb. In about 15 minutes, if not less. From there, we had a little bit of snafu. My intent was to go uh, rent a vehicle from one of the downtown Long Beach locations and then uh, uh, spend the day uh, walking around or driving around uh, L.A. and doing some different activities. But when I got to the uh, rental car agency, they informed me that they did not have the car seats that I had reserved, which uh, with a six-year-old and four-year-old was a bit of a challenge. So I'll bear the details on the podcast, but uh, I was – Not pleased with the way that Hertz handled that, and uh, I had to figure out some alternatives to to get us uh, away from the port and and to to LAX airport.
1: So I'm looking at my Uber receipt right now from that day. So I was in the Platinum line at 7 o'clock, 7.30 off the ship, and at 7.47, I was in an Uber to LAX. It was a $38 fare, and it took a little less than 48 minutes from Long Beach to LAX.
0: That's not bad at all. Yeah, I, uh, I remember texting you from the Queen Mary, and you were, said you were already at the airport, and that was around yeah. or eight thirty or nine o'clock. So that was I was pretty impressed by that.
1: Yeah, when you um, texted me, I was in the uh, the Admiral's Club working and about to board a flight to Salt Lake City.
0: I will say my brother self-assisted, and uh, I think they were one of the ones that kind of mad rushed the gangway out of turn. But they were uh, they left their room around eight, and they texted us that they were in their car and on the road by eight forty-five. Yeah, uh, so. It, um, I mean, if you're doing self-assist, then it, it, it's a pretty quick and easy process. It was quick and easy once they called us for the uh, for the baggage assist. But, I mean, just know you're going to get comfortable. And, honestly, our flight wasn't until after 5 o'clock. So we were not in any rush at all to to, to get off the ship and, and get to the airport.
1: Yeah. I should also mention I did self-assist as well. So I was, you know, we, we they did make us line up. And it was like they walked us from the Vista dining room down the promenade on deck four past the punchliner through the Heroes Bar, through the casino, and then just out there along the main atrium was where the door was on the starboard side, and we just kind of debarked that way. And not a long line for customs either. We probably waited... About maybe ten minutes in the customs line, he just glanced at our passport. Said, "Are you? Did you bring anything back with you?" We said no, and then he's like, "All right, have a good day."
0: Even with declaring four bottles of tequila and having an actual declaration form with us, mm-hmm. it was still a matter of, "All right, welcome back, have a good day." Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was pretty easy. Uh, they did open up a second door um, to go out the the one over by that we came in on by the uh, Heroes Tribute Bar. Mm-hmm. So you, when we started the mass. Departations, then you could either go forward or aft down to deck four uh, to go out by the either by the atrium or um, by the heroes bar. Yeah. Uh, however, both of those lines did converge on the actual gangway itself, which still worked out pretty well. Yeah. I do want to mention you've said you the Vista Dining Room a couple times, and I thought that was a really really cool nod to the other ships in this class. So the aft dining room is called the Vista Dining Room, and the midship dining room is called the Horizon Dining Room. So uh, I thought that was a really clever kind of nod to the other to the other ships there and and um, uh, a good way to kind of um, you know, close out the series for this class of ship.
1: And you know, one thing I did notice too in the Vista dining room, you haven't sailed the Vista class before, but there was on deck three down there a bar in a big, long, high top table that you could sit and have dinner at. They took that out on this ship and they actually put in more tables there. And also in the midship dining room, which is the Horizon dining room, they took out that big, long or the big round 12, 13 seat captain's table right behind the podium there where the hostess is and they put mm-hmm. more tables there as well but that big captain's table reappeared in the back dining room so they did i guess you know this ship does have i think 25 more staterooms than the previous ship because imax was three decks and the sky zone Bounce Park is only two decks, so they were able to add 14 more staterooms in the space where the IMAX was, so I can see where they had to add more tables in the main dining rooms to accommodate.
0: Yeah, I saw, actually, I'll give you a quick little plug for, for your stuff. You had a really great article this morning on your CruiseRadio.com website about those those changes going deck by deck and, and noting those changes, so between Horizon and Panorama, so I thought that was very informative and gives me a much better feel for what I'll be
1: walking into if I get on Vista Horizon. Yeah, that was a great article, well Done. yeah thank you so uh looking back what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you
0: watching liz and lucas and the entertainers th- those were uh, some of the most lasting memories i'll have and, and the um and and, and Owen and stephen as well and i've connected with them on social media now and i'll be trying to follow them in the future i know they're Liz and Lucas are going to be on Sunrise sometime soon, and, and uh, who knows after that. But that was a big highlight for me. The carnival kitchen and the chef's table were both major highlights. And just it being at sea, I, I mean, it, that's that's really my happy place is being at sea there. But I, I really liked the overall feel of the ship. I thought it was very, very well put together, very elegant. And uh, I think the staff, uh, while spread thin in the dining room and the, and the housekeeping staff, They were still very friendly and and willing to help out and, and worked very hard to please you. So those were some of the big
1: highlights for me, I think. Final thoughts of Carnival Panorama.
0: Uh, like I said, it's a great ship. There's a tons of activities. If you're bored on that ship, it's your own fault. Really, there's just there's so much to do between what the entertainment staff is doing for you. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention too is we did the uh, Seuss breakfast one morning, and um, that was a lot of fun as well. And they did a great job with that, with the different uh, colored foods and the different little colored tablecloths and everything as well. So that's a great theming and a great thing if you have kids. Definitely uh, try to come uh, go to guest services as soon as you board to book that when you get on board. That is uh, five dollars per person for adults or children, and um, and a great time. Other final thoughts, though, I think that the stage shows are drastically improved over over past carnival ships so if you are one that traditionally avoids the stage productions uh, because they're just frustrating you then i think that you should give this a try on the panorama and the issues i think we experience will only get better with time as the crew as the ship and, and the uh the crew kind of gels and, and become learns to work more as a team you get when you go into the inaugural sailing you've got to take it with a grain of salt and know that not everything's going to be absolutely perfect and so if you walk in there with that expectation you're going to have an excellent cruise. I, I, I can't recommend this enough, and I think that, that um – People in, in California Long Beach are in for a real treat uh, going forward for Panorama.
1: Well, PJ, thank you so much for coming on. Also, if you're looking for more information about Carnival Panorama, there is so much information on the website, cruiseradio.net. I'll also put some links in the show notes, like a comprehensive deck-by-deck walkthrough video of the ship. Also, our trip reports from our sailing and some reviews like Carnival's new culinary concept, Carnival Kitchen, and their new tribute bar the military theme bar on deck four all of that can be found at cruiseradio.net or the cruise radio youtube channel you can also see photos in our facebook group just search cruise radio news thanks again buddy happy new year yeah same to you too a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance simple answer if you're getting on a plane taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship you need to have travel insurance When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over
0: 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by Visiting cruising excursions.com.
1: All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, cruise radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> cruise radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.